Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mara James, and I'm excited to introduce to you today an amazing woman and licensed clinical social worker, Miriam Bustamante. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Mara, thank you for inviting me today. Oh, we are so honored to have you here, and we have so many fun things to discuss. Let's start talking a little bit about um, your reason for going, uh, being passionate about mental health. Absolutely. Uh, where do I begin? There's so many reasons. Um, I would say uh, the first reason, you know, is with my own personal experiences. Um, growing up, I think mental health resources were something that um, were lacking and um, that I needed more support for. And um, so when I became, you know, an adult and I was thinking about a career, um, I think once I started to um, pursue, you know, mental health services, I realized what a need there was and, and I wanted to give back because I was at a place in my life where I was doing well and um, I had benefited from um, receiving help and so I wanted to be able to offer that help to others. And um, so, and yeah, I honestly feel like also it was like a little bit of um divine intervention, we could say, um, and that it was something that I was um, called to do, really, because I um, struggled for a long time not having direction, and now I realize that was a blessing because it, it happened at the exact right time in my life where I was ready to be able to help others, and um, I went back to school to pursue a master's in social work at Cal State Fullerton, and um, everything about like how that kind of came together. Um, I really couldn't doubt that that was the right path for me. And, um, and so now it's been about, you know, since I started grad school, I guess that was eight years ago. So, um, yeah, I love, yeah. It's so important when somebody is, has, you know, has gone through it themselves, like course I have also and um, we've made they see the light at the end of the tunnel and we make it to the other side and to be able to help peop other people it's such a beautiful thing and um, I know when I used to speak to a therapist um, years ago I felt like they were judging me and they didn't share anything about me uh, about themselves and I know for me when I speak to people like I'm an open book and I know I'm not a therapist I'm not trained but I love to just share with them things so that they have their their ego is gone I share about my family, you know, my mother who was bipolar. I share that I've been um, experienced a manic episode and was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. My son has Asperger's and ADHD. One of my other children has anxiety and depression. So I just find it so profound. Um, when you meet with your patients or clients, I guess patients, yes? I call them clients, but many therapists, you're right. Many therapists, therapists do say patients. Um, yeah. Uh, I've always called them clients, I guess, because in my training, that's how, you know, I was taught, but I know a lot okay. of therapists do use patients. So really it's kind of interchangeable. 
Um, and I do like the word clients. And I bet you some of those even turn into friends. So, so you know, your friends. Um, but um, when so working with the clients, do you ever share things about yourself or is it solely focused on them? That's a great question. And I think that um, a lot of times in therapy, um, so when I was trained, right, we, uh, we were trained basically um, to be cautious with self-disclosure, right? And I guess the reason why is because uh, you don't want to make it about you, right? Like you want to make it about them. And that is why therapy is so helpful because you have this person who is, can be objective in your life, right? Um, because the relationship is all about you and not about the clinician. However, I'm a firm believer in a lot of things in life that um, you kind of have to know the frame to break the frame. So once you learn the frame and you know how to support that relationship where it is about the client, you can disclose, like, for example, if I know something's going to help my client, I will absolutely disclose something about myself. Um, but then I, it's like coming from that place of, I believe that I have some experience in this area that might be able to offer this person some hope, then of course I'm going to share that, right? Because that's my job is to help them. So hopefully that answers the question. Absolutely. And I love, um, and I love that. That's wonderful. That would make me, if I was um, one of your clients, it would make me feel really comfortable. So thank you. Um, so can you share with our friends watching and listening um, some different areas that you're passionate about and why? And yeah. Absolutely. So uh, when I began social work, you know, I really thought, uh, and that's what I love about the social work field is that there are so many different things that you can do. And I think a lot of people, there's still like a mis, uh, misperception about social workers that um, we're just the people who take your children, right? Um, a lot of times people don't really know what social workers do or, you know, uh, even, I'll never forget when I told my dad I wanted to be a social worker, he was like, you're going to be poor. You know, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I'm passionate, so it's fine. But, um, there really is so many fields. You can be a, a hospital social worker. Um, so I thought I would work with children and, uh, luckily at my agency, I do get the chance to work with children, but uh, I also got the opportunity to work um, with maternal mental health. So basically, um, a lot of different pregnant women and also postpartum, um, and dads also sometimes have difficulty adjusting during the postpartum period. So uh, I'm very passionate about uh, maternal mental health and um, helping women suffering with postpartum depression. And um, so basically in, in uh, mental health, we call it um, perinatal mood disorders. So that could mean, because a lot of people know about postpartum depression, but there's also postpartum anxiety and postpartum OCD, and you're more at risk for depression during pregnancy. So um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed that I got that opportunity because again, I didn't know that, you know, um, I would suffer from the same thing and I have a 10 month old and uh, during a pandemic and it was challenging, <laughs> you know, um, but I knew exactly what to do, you know, like I, got into action at five weeks because I knew the signs, right? But it made me even more passionate about it because I just realized that so many women don't know and, and are afraid to speak up because uh, 
there's a lot of stigma around mental health. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. So can you share with us some of the signs? Oh, absolutely. So I would say uh, one of the signs that I see often that sometimes we don't realize is a symptom of depression is uh, rage, a lot of like postpartum rage, um, anger, irritability. I think that's one that we don't talk about as much. Uh, I would say that a lot of times for women, it's, it's this sense of like not feeling like themselves. Mm. Like, I just right. don't feel like myself. Right. And yeah. now, is it normal to some extent not to feel like yourself, except you have your first child that, you know, it's all your hormones are going haywire. You might be nursing, you might not like what, you yes. know, so where, so where's that fine line of mm. realizing like, wow, I really, something is going on and I should reach out for help. That's a wonderful question because I think that you're right during the postpartum period. And that's why it's such a vulnerable time because sleep deprivation is normal, right? But in any other time in our lives, that is a symptom of depression or anxiety if you're missing sleep, you know, and, and let also it's a form of torture, right? Sleep deprivation. So it takes a a toll psychologically. So you're right. How do we tell the difference? Well, I think it's how the mom is coping really with those challenges. And you're right to a certain extent, um, the hormonal changes are normal. Like, uh, we call them baby blues, right. And baby blues, uh, happen to about 80% of women. And, um, that is usually only for about two to three weeks though. So it's, if it's lasting longer than that, um, and let's say that, mom is having more hard days than, than not. Right. Um, so you're right. It's normal to feel completely different because let's be honest, everything changes, right. When you have a baby, <laughs> it's not one thing that's the same. So you're right. It is normal to a certain extent, but if your mood is consistently low, it's hard to find hope. You're having difficulty bonding with the baby. Maybe not for every mom. I think there's also a misconception that every mom who has postpartum depression or anxiety might have difficulty bonding. Not everyone, but it does happen. Like you feel detached from the baby. Um, very tearful, you know, like crying all the time. And that's after the baby blues, right? So after that three week period, if you're still crying every day, you know? Um, so I think that's how you kind of tell the difference. Um, And with sleep, I think uh, it's a big deal because, you know, it's normal for new moms to be sleep deprived, but the goal really is to get five hours interrupted Um, because if you're not getting at least five hours together, you are at risk for a lot of different mental health issues. So that that's what, and I know that that's hard, you know, but it's like, let's get partner involved. Let's get anyone involved, like your support system involved. Yeah. And what could be good about that is having, like, I know when I was nursing, my father, my husband uh, never touched the baby, you know, would never feed the baby. And imagine that like one of the night feedings that the husband or the partner actually takes that the mother can get extra sleep. And um, that's amazing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then what about, so there's perinatal, which means also including while you're pregnant, is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so depression during pregnancy is also more common and there's lots of different reasons why it can be um, it can be biological and it can be environmental. Uh, so maybe it's an unplanned pregnancy, right? And that does put you at higher risk for depression during pregnancy. It doesn't cause the depression, right? Like necessarily, it just, it's another risk factor. Um, another risk factor for um, depression during pregnancy is um, if you are someone who is uh, more sensitive to, or more prone to get uh, symptoms of PMS or, um, you know, PDD, we call it, um, um, premenstrual dysphoric syndrome, I think it's called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So basically that's um, uh, a woman who might have really severe PMS and you're at a higher risk for um, depression during pregnancy and postpartum because um, of the hormonal changes. So sometimes it's biological, sometimes there's environmental factors. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think it's the anxiety. I know for myself being pregnant during pandemic um, and being told that I was at higher risk um, and not being able to leave my house, uh, I think, and not being able to do a lot of the things that I would normally do to cope. For example, seeing friends, you know, uh, or um, going places, you know, uh, for distraction, you can't do a lot of those things. So uh, the, I think it's easier to, um, be at risk for anxiety and depression. Wow. Yeah. I can't I just, I can't imagine my husband, as you know, is an OBGYN and, you know, when the patients came to see him, cause you have, you know, you have to have your exam and they weren't allowed to come with a partner. I and mean, it's just, I could just imagine like skyrocketing numbers for anxiety, fear, anxiety, and or depression for sure. Yes. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. And um, now if you felt that a patient just um, wasn't coping well and needed medication, do you refer, do you work with a psychiatrist or what would happen then? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we are fortunate here. Um, I work at the Hogue Mental Health Center and we do have a psychiatrist on staff um, that we can refer clients to. Um, and it's, it's such a great you know, um, complement to treatment. What I tell my clients is, you know, the treatment for the standard of care for depression and anxiety is, is therapy and a referral to a psychiatrist. So obviously, you know, I, I am not a doctor. I can't prescribe medication, but I, I make the referral. And, um, I, I do think that, um, there's a lot of stigma around prescribing to pregnant women. So I'm also, um, passionate about that because I do think that, um, mental health, uh, and the being of, 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 uh, a mother, a pregnant woman or postpartum is just as important, you know, uh, cause there are risk factors to babies, uh, for having a depressed mother. So I do think, um, it's very important. And there's a lot of medications that we do know are safe. Right. So. Okay. And so when a mom is pregnant, she's experiencing, let's say, fear and anxiety. Does that transfer to the um, unborn baby or the fetus? That's a great question. And I remember uh, when I was 
um, you know, learning all about this field, I was like so much pressure on a mom, right? Because not only like, can, is she at higher risk for depression and anxiety, but then the pressure of like, oh, is that going to hurt my baby? Right. So um, we do know that there are a lot of um, risk factors for babies who have moms that are um, depressed or um, anxious. And uh, we know that that's even in utero. So yeah, there is an effect, right? But the good news I think is that um, I love the concept of being a good enough mom, right? Like that we don't have to be engaged a hundred percent, like always connected with the baby, right? We have to just do a good enough job. So if, if we can have that like um, 30%, I've heard is like the number of like, time that you're connected to your baby and you're, you're uh, present, right? So, and another concept I like is that um, it's not in the rupture, it's in the repair. So yeah, we're gonna have times as mothers where we're anxious, where we freak out, right? I mean, who doesn't, right? And, uh, but it's about that repair. Okay, so I had an anxious moment, like how do I repair that bond? and. Uh, and I, I think that there, that's why therapy can be helpful too, because there's really practical tools that I give clients to. Like, you might not be feeling the connection with the baby. That doesn't mean you can't read to the baby. You know, like sometimes we have to fake it till we make it, you know? So. Right. That is wonderful. Um, we are going to take a very brief break. And when we come back, we'll talk about one of your other passions. Um, okay, everybody, we'll see you soon. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mary James. And today we have an amazing woman, friend, and licensed clinical social worker, Miriam Bustamante. 
Welcome back, everyone. Hi, Miriam, you're such a wealth of information. Thank you for everything that you've been sharing so far. Um, and I know when we spoke in the past, you have another passion in addition to the perinatal and postpartum um, mental health of the mother, um, and that's with trauma. So if you could yeah. talk to, um, share with us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So in the past few years, I would say I've had the, uh, the fortunate opportunity to learn a lot about trauma and uh, the ACEs study. I don't know if you're familiar with the ACEs study, Amira. Yes, but if you could share it with us anyway, that'd be great. Absolutely. I love talking about it. It <laughs> is the Adverse Childhood Experiences uh, study that was done um, by Dr. Onda and can't remember the other doctor's name, but um, it was a study done in San Diego. And what they realized is that, uh, so they were medical doctors, but they, uh, I think they were doing uh, some treatment with people who were ob with obesity and, uh, and chronic health conditions. And they discovered a link between a lot of their patients having childhood sexual abuse and chronic um, disease. So basically they realized there was a connection and they wanted to study it more. So we all knew that if there's uh, a lot of childhood trauma that we are more at risk for depression and anxiety and mental health issues. However, what they found is that we're also at risk for a lot of uh, physical health conditions, chronic disease, asthma, uh, liver disease, all these things that they were like, how is there a connection with trauma? And so it was an amazing study. Um, and now the uh, California Surgeon General is very passionate about it too, Dr. D Nadine Burke-Harris. Um, she's very passionate about the ACEs study as well. So I think it is becoming more uh, mainstream and you can go online and find your, your ACE score. You can take the quiz. I will caution people that it is, um, it asks 10 questions about experiences you had before the age of 18 and um, regarding trauma. So that's sexual abuse, physical abuse, witnessing domestic violence. And um, if your parent had a you know, mental health issue, if a parent was incarcerated. Uh, so questions of these nature. So it's very sensitive material. So you might wanna, if you are gonna take that test, you might wanna do it with a mental health provider or your, or your physician um, because it is, um, it does talk about trauma. So again, I suggest if you do it, you take care of yourself afterward um, by practicing some wellness exercises, uh, maybe doing some deep breathing. Um, so I do wanna give that disclaimer, but the reason why it's so important is the high, we know that the higher your ACE score, uh, the more at risk you are for lots of different um, health conditions. And so, you know, what does that tell us? That trauma lives in our body, you know? Um, there's a great, I think his name is David Kessler, um, and he does grief yoga, but he talks about the tissues are in our, the issues are in our tissues. So basically meaning that trauma lives in the body and uh, we need to like move it out of our body, right? So that's why yoga is so great and other um, energy work, things like that, um, holistic practices um, because the body keeps the score and um, trauma can live on in the body. So I'm very passionate about it. And, you know, we spoke briefly about trauma um, 
before in one of our conversations and that some people think, oh, well, you know, maybe I haven't had any, any real traumatic experiences, but everyone's had trauma. And I say that there's, I, cause I heard it in a training that there's big T trauma and little T trauma. So, um, there might be traumas that, um, are smaller, right. But maybe they add up and there's the bigger traumas, right. Uh, that we, that people experience, but everyone has experienced some trauma in their life. And that is just, you know, an unexpected event, right. That caused you to feel scared or anxious, um, can be a trauma. So yes, I'm very passionate about it. And, and I think it's really exciting too, that, uh, we are always learning more about trauma and, um, especially now with, um, new discoveries in neuroscience and how, um, the brain chemistry can change. Um, I think it's so hopeful because even though we know that everyone has trauma, we also know now that, um, there is so many different ways that we can build resiliency. And that to me is kind of like the antidote to trauma is resiliency, right? Because we all know that we could take two different people, put them in the same situation and they're gonna react differently, right? And one person might bounce back, right? That's what um, resiliency is. One person might be able to bounce back quicker. So how is that possible? Well, there's a lot of different factors, but I will say that one of the things that one of the biggest factors I think that helps with resiliency is supportive people, like relationships, you know? And so I think that's why this year has been so hard for so many people because uh, we haven't had that social support that we need in the same way. You know, I think we've found, we've all been creative to find it in different ways, but, uh, but yeah, I think resiliency is so um, important. And uh, yeah, I'm really passionate about always finding new ways to help people find their resiliency. Right. So I love what you said about big T and little T. And then we have Mr. T. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, what? So um, so it's interesting also, and I'm not good at quoting, I can't quote you, but you said, so to define trauma, is it something that as simple as something that made you feel anxious or fearful? Is that what trauma is? It can be. It's um, usually the way we define it is an unexpected event uh, that caused you to feel, yeah, afraid. Yeah. Just uh, in a more serious, serious trauma, like the big T trauma would be, you know, definitely if it was something that made you feel like your life was threatened, you know, Mm -hmm. that is a traumatic event. Right, right. So, and what about like with the subconscious, you know, I shared with you about my past that um, I did not even know for the first 52 years of my life that I was sexually molested as a little girl, three, four, five years old, um, five years old. So, so I wouldn't even have known I had that much trauma. And then of course, later, you know, 48 years old, I experienced a somatic episode. Um, So I I guess that I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I will be completely transparent and that I haven't done a lot of research on that, but I recently was in a training that did talk about, it was like right up my alley because it was all about ACEs and perinatal mental health. So Uh, I was like nerding out. I loved it so much. (laughs) 
And um, they talked about brain development and how a lot of people will say, well, we don't really form memories until we're five or six. So, you know, it's like with babies, oh, well, they won't remember it anyways. And the thing about that is, um, is that that's the time that their brainstem is being developed. So not only like, will they potentially remember it, but it's like, it's in their brainstem. Like it's so cemented in their brains, right? So to say that they're not gonna remember it isn't necessarily accurate because they might not have a memory, um, but their body does right so the body remembers the body there's a whole book about trauma in the body and it's called the body keeps the score mm-hmm. and um so yeah they might not have a conscious memory like they would after five or six but their body um has a memory um because they can still release the you know the cortisol the adrenaline that we release when we're under stress you know, especially toxic stress, like any abuse. So hopefully that answers your question to yeah. some degree. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that. Um, I was talking to a friend who, you know, is in her fifties going back to study um, psychology. I'm not sure where and what her degree will be in, but she said that they're teaching like not to look back. And to me, all of my healing, so much of my healing, probably all of it has been about healing, you know, my inner child, but not only my inner child, I've actually done some healings that when I was in my mom's belly, that a healer was able to access and share with me. And it made total sense. And it was so profound and to be able to release that. Um, So I am such, I totally believe with like, the body does keep the score, the score. So um, you were talking about the gentleman um, who does the yoga that helps to release things. So like I used to, I was an athlete growing up, which I wonder like, so not consciously knowing about any trauma that I experienced and working out and exercising and doing all that. Do you think that was a type of release or a type of healing or, you know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that uh yes moving the body i think is very healing i don't think we necessarily have to be consciously trying to heal the body you know as we're moving i think i think if we do have that intention it can be even more powerful right so um that's why i think yoga is i'm such a fan because you do set an intention right so if your intention is to heal the body um, at, with movement, then of course, right. What we focus on is going to grow. Right. Um, however, I do think that you don't necessarily have to be, um, consciously focused on healing. I think when you participate in sports, I mean, you're getting so many things from that. Um, you're getting social support, right. You're getting confidence. Um, and yeah, you're moving your body. Um, and you might be releasing some of that trauma that's stored in your tissues, right? Um, and I think also you're you're producing endorphins, which give you you know help mental health. So uh, I think there's so many you know when we talk about trauma, we talk about risk factors and protective factors, right? So exercise, playing sports is a huge protective factor. Because, you know, maybe the relationships at home, too, were difficult, right? But maybe you had a coach that was a positive influence. So there's so many benefits that could come from 
you know, experiences like that. Wow, that is great. Imagine if all um, like young children or all children, right, from three to 18 were um, encouraged, like had yoga as part of their daily routine. Um, it would just make such a profound difference. Wow, yeah. so many things. We're so focused, we've been so focused on like the IQ. And as we know, the EQ um, is so important. And to me, yoga would be part of that, you know, helping people adjust. Um, Absolutely. Wow. That is amazing. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I know I've asked a few questions. Is there anything I haven't asked that you'd like to share? I think I would just, uh, yeah, encourage anyone listening to, um, you know, seek out your own healing and whatever that means for you. There's so many, you know, I think there's so many different ways. And I think therapy is a wonderful way, obviously. Uh, but it's not the only way, right? I think that you can do lots of different type of uh, wellness practices that can help. Uh, but I do think that if uh, we were all passionate about our own healing, you know, we we're contributing to making the world a better place. And, uh, and I think that's all. I awesome. Amen that. to that. So, and if people want, want to uh, get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Yeah. So you can um, email me. Um, I think you could probably put my email in the show notes. Is that an option? Absolutely. But since we're also going to be on a podcast, if you could share the email address with us slowly, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. So it's Miriam uh, Bustamante, uh, M-I-R-I-A-M dot B-U-S-T-A-M-A-N-T-E at hogue.org have any questions or if you're interested in presentations um i as i mentioned work at hogue mental health center and we offer uh psychotherapy services uh, on a sliding scale uh right now because of covid we're actually um able to offer a lot of services um for free and uh let's see we do different like workshops we have free yoga for the community and we have lots of different resources in-house as well um, for people. We have a, a weekly food distribution, diaper distribution, Zumba. Mm -hmm. So we have lots of different things if, um, yeah, if you need anything. And um, you can also visit our website, um, Hogue Mental Health Center. And if you just do a search for that, we pop up and uh, you'll find our phone number on that website as well. And what you, so you said, if a patient doesn't have insurance, you will see them on a sliding scale. Yes. That's why we're here to kind of fill the gap in mental health services, uh, in Orange County and the surrounding areas. So, um, yeah, if, if, uh, you don't have insurance or you can't afford your copay, uh, we work on a sliding scale and, uh, we do, uh, mostly mild to moderate, but, um, like things like depression and anxiety, However, we will always help you get connected to um, the appropriate services. So um, yeah, feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us here today. And thank you for all the work that you're doing throughout our community and beyond. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Mara. You too. And don't forget, everybody, you are amazing. Yay. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.